This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, what a beautiful picture. I'm just, I'm just looking at you thinking how faith works. I remember when we came here, uh, next week will be 14 years since we set our feet down in California. And amen. Amen. I was telling Robert, the reason I know that my birthday's next week, and back in 2005 was on a Sunday because on July 17th of 2005, this congregation took a vote. Well, not, not you, but the ones that were here, took a vote and said, we want you to be our pastor. So we moved to California. We're pastors here. Uh, but when we came here, the church basically had one service a week, just Sunday mornings. All they had, they didn't have Sunday night or Wednesday nights. And uh, we're hungry for the word people. And so we started kind of having some Sunday night, wasn't a lot going on. And, you, you know, you might not know it, but all those units you hear running, it takes lots of hundreds of dollars to pay for the bill to keep this place cool in the summertime. And so we decided, well, praise the Lord, we're going to have Sunday night service. And a lot of people didn't come. And so uh, we quit it and Willie quit it for two weeks. I couldn't take it. I was raised on the word. And I don't care what modern preachers do. If you're Christian, you ought to be in church on Sunday night. Amen. And so anyway, we had a, we had a lady here on the praise team that uh, I talked to her and I said, and I said her name was Liz. Some of the old guys know Liz. I said, Liz, I said, we haven't had church the last two Sunday nights. And I said, will you do me a favor? I said, I can preach, but I can't sing. And you can sing. And so if, if I start Sunday night service again, nobody shows up with me and you. I'll stand up here at the altar and preach. You stand up there and sing. If nobody shows up, we're going to have church on Sunday night. And so Mrs. Pastor was talking about the other day, I think we had about a half a dozen came at first. And we kept on having church and believing God to pay the light bill to keep the place cool on Sunday night. So we had church and it grew. And over the years, me and Mrs. Pastor in our private prayer time, we prayed. We said, Lord, give us people in this church that are like she and I were at Gary. He was our good friend. He's my best man at our wedding. We were young people, got born again. And we found out that, that Christianity was a religion. It was a family. It was a lifestyle. It was a way of life. It wasn't a religion you did on Sundays. It was a lifestyle. And so we prayed. We began to pray, Lord, send us people that are hungry for the word. Send us people that are hungry for the word. I still pray that. Lord, I thank you for giving us people that are hungry for the word. Reason being, if people are just religious, the word hits them crossways and they get nuts. They get mad when you teach them that Jesus wants you healed. Jesus wants you free. Jesus wants you tithing. Amen. Jesus wants you loving your neighbor. And all the things Jesus taught, religious people get mad about that because they think that uh, they got to have their way. Well, like Pastor Dave just talked about Proverbs chapter 3, if you're going to have your way, this morning he used the scripture out of Proverbs, that the way seems right to a man. But then there were the ways of death. And stop to think about it. Who was it that crucified our Lord and Savior? The religious people. The government, Pilate said, there's nothing wrong with this man. Said, we got a murderer up here, Barabbas. And you got this man up here. He said, I see nothing wrong he's done. Said, I want to set one of them loose. And who do you religious people want me to free up? Well, Jesus brought the truth of the word. Jesus brought who Jesus and God really were to the religious people. His people said, that doesn't fit our scenario, what we think religion ought to be. Well, they're right, because religion is all about God, but without God. They just don't have him in the factor. So anyway, we prayed for people in this church, hungry of the word, 
ever stand to worship God a minute ago, and I'm thinking, I wonder how many people are back there, because when everybody's standing up, you can't really tell. I turn around and look at you, and there I recall a conversation I had with a local pastor about a month ago. We were talking, he said something about something. Well, what did you guys do last night? I said, well, we had church. Hey, he looked at me and said, you have church on Sunday night? I said, I wouldn't be anywhere else. I'm talking about a pastor. I said, yeah. He said, you're one of the last holdouts. I thought, the last holdouts? I'm going to teach the Word of God. I prayed for people to come to this church that are hungry for God's Word. And if we're teaching the Word of God on Sunday nights, people's going to come on Sunday nights, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether they're tired, whether they feel great, they're going to come because we prayed for people hungry for the Word of God. Amen, amen, amen. Give yourselves a hand. You're here and you're hungry. And that shows you that God's alive. Amen. Because He's leading you and you're coming. Well, I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore in line with what we're teaching tonight. This is the Believer's Authority. This is the Believer's Authority. Pastor Dave showed this this morning. And we had a few in the bookstore this morning. I don't know, four or five of them, I guess. And Belinda told me when he showed this this morning, they all sold except one. This is the last one till we order more. And so if you want the Believer's Authority tonight, you get to get back there and buy it. This is the last one. It's one of the best books Brother Hagin ever wrote. And then here's one called Redeemed from uh, <clears throat> Poverty, Sickness, and Spiritual Death. And I think this was the first book he ever wrote back in the 70s. One of the first books of his I ever read. And this book here will absolutely open your eyes. It'll help you see what belongs to you. And we're going to teach tonight on how to get a hold of that. So those books are in the bookstore. We do have several of those. If you want to buy them. And, you know, does anybody know what my vision is for High Desert Word Center? If you don't, it's on everything we put out pretty much. It's on the bulletin. God called me to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. Amen. It's one thing to be a Christian. It's another thing to live like, <clears throat> live like a Christian and keep Satan under your feet. You know, I heard Jesse Planet say probably 35 years ago, said he found out how big the devil is, said he has to be this tall because he's under his feet. Amen. Satan is under our feet, but we have to know how to walk in the victory is that. And so tonight, tonight, the title is this, my favorite New Testament prayer for believers. If you're taking notes, that's always a good idea to take notes. It's always good. Of course, we've got the podcast now. But I love notes. But this is my favorite New Testament prayer for believers. As a matter of fact, in that book, The Believer's Authority, in the first chapter of the second or third page of it, Brother Hagin talks about what I'm going to teach tonight, that he prayed prayers out of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, there's prayers that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pray for believers. In Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, I think that's verse 16 to 23, and chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. And Brother Hagin said, as a young pastor, he began to pray those prayers because he saw them in the Bible. And he knew if there was the will of God for the church at Ephesus, that had to be the will of God for him because he's a believer. And he said he prayed those prayers more than a thousand times over the next few months. He said every time he'd see his Bible, he'd open it up and he'd start praying those prayers. And he said after, after, after several months, all of a sudden, his eyes started getting open. He saw things he'd never seen after being a believer for many years and being a pastor for many years. All of a sudden, he started seeing things. How many know that God answers prayer? Especially when you're praying the Word, He answers prayers. So I'm going to be teaching tonight a, a prayer out of the book of Colossians. If you want to open up to Colossians chapter 1, we'll be there in a minute. But the, out of Colossians chapter 1, that's my favorite prayer. And I, I said it this morning, 
I'll say it again. Pastor David and I had never communicated about what we're going to preach on. But when I saw him start off in Colossians chapter 1 this morning, I said, wow, Pastor Dave's where I'm going to be tonight. But I, his, his message this morning, dear X, you don't own me. And, you know, I guess that dear X is like algebra. You know, when you're in, probably you guys a lot smarter than I was. I, I took a lot of math in high school. I remember algebra X was a thing that, you know, you fill in the blank X is what it is to make the equation come out right. And X, he talked about, was what's had you in bondage. It could be fear. It could be hatred. It could be a a sickness. It could be an addiction. It could be anything that's controlling your life where you hate what you're doing, but you can't stop it. Something's making you do it, making you do it, and you hate it. You know, you may you may be a bucket mouth. You know, you may be a gossip. Used to be gossips and kind of keep their own little circle. Now they get on Facebook or something. Man, they can let millions of people read how stupid they are. <laughs> Amen. And then you know you open your mouth and say things you wish you didn't say. And the thing about it now, you put them on social media. It's out there for a long, long time, and people see it. And even when you get over it, people still see what you said, and that thing controls you. And so anyway, X is whatever controls you. But I want to read a couple of statements I wrote down in my notes. Every time somebody's preaching, I take notes. There's, there's, there's some of my notes from this morning when Pastor Dave was preaching. But I thought, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to talk about some things tonight from the Word of God is going to show you how to get more of what he taught this morning. But he said three, re- three reasons why X doesn't own you. Number one, Jesus bought you. How many here have been bought by the blood of Jesus? You know you're born again. You're not who you used to be. You're a new person in Christ. And you don't want those old things pulling you back anymore. He said, number two, Jesus beat Satan. How many here really believe that Jesus beat Satan? He's been defeated. And Satan has no right. He has no right to keep you in bondage to being a gossip, to fear, being afraid of things. He has no right to keep sickness, disease on you. He has no right to destroy your family because Jesus defeated him. Well, we all know it's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another thing to have it work in our lives. Amen. And we all want that in our lives. Number three thing he said, Jesus is bigger and better than whatever X is in your life ever was. Jesus is greater than cancer. Amen. Jesus is greater than strife in a marriage. Jesus is greater than rebellious children. Jesus is greater than the devil using thugs and bad people to see your children pull them off the wrong road. Amen. He's greater than all those things. And then he made a statement. There's a book we're out of at the bookstore, hoping to get some more of it. A little mini book written by Pastor Hagen, uh, the pastor of Raymond Bible Church, not Brother Hagen, Pastor Hagen. And the title is something like this. The prison door is open. Why are you still in there? And so we as Christians have been set free. Why do we let Satan tell us, you can't do that? You're not smart enough. You're in the wrong family. You live in the wrong city. You got the wrong job. If Jesus is greater and he's Lord of your life, what difference does it make what city you live in if he's got you there? What difference does it make what your last name is in this natural world if your family's got a bad reputation? I've got a new father. Hey, man. And I think about the tattoo the Hell's Angels used to have. It says, born to lose. My tattoo says, I'm born again to win. Amen. Amen. So you've got, you've got to see things. We're going to talk about that tonight. And then he talked about this, the definition of a fool. Keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect to get different results. You know, I, th- I think about, I think about Christians. 
I'm thinking about us tonight because I'm, I'm preaching to us. You guys are in this church tonight, and we prove those other pastors wrong to think, why do you have church on Sunday night because nobody comes? You teach the word they come. You're here and you're hungry, so I can feed you some meat tonight. I can give you some things that are going to help you tonight. And so stop and think about this. How many, besides myself, have done the same stupid thing over and over again? Finally, one day, you get it, you have a duh moment. You go, duh. This don't work. Why do I keep on doing this? Well, a lot of things we keep on doing is called learned behavior. Your ancestors did it. Your parents did it. Your grandparents did it. And you're doing it. But you got to break out of the cycle. If you want something different, you got to do something different. If you want change, you've got to change. And so there has to come a moment in time where you finally think, I've got to quit doing this. This is going nowhere. I know the Bible says I'm free. The Bible says I'm prosperous. The Bible says I'm healed. The Bible says I have the mind of Christ. The Bible says you'll save me and save my house. And so it's time for me to change so I can start getting that in my life. Amen. And we're not going to have a quiet night. This is a clapping night, a cheering night, a praise of Jesus night. So go ahead, let loose. All right. And so I'm going to read my favorite prayer, Colossians chapter 1. And verse 9, he begins this way. For this, way, for this cause... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He said, for this cause. And so as a Bible teacher, when I see things, I've got, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a gene in my spiritual DNA that says, if you see something, find out why it's there. He said, for this cause. In other words, Paul said, there's a reason I feel inspired to pray for you Christians at Colossae. He said, for this cause, I'm going to pray for you. And so I prayed this prayer. Matter of fact, we, I, I prayed parts of this prayer tonight for the body of Christ and for this church tonight over in our prayer group. We prayed tonight for the body of Christ, and there's a cause for that. He said, for this cause, and so I want to see what this cause is here for. And so, for this cause makes me want to see why was Paul stirred. It's the same reason I'm stirred to pray for believers, and he shows me how. But I want to back up a few verses and look at verse 4 to see the cause. And some things I see is this. What caused him to be stirred? He says, since we heard of your faith, I circled the word faith because faith is a big thing to God. Hebrews eleven six says you can't please God without faith. Amen. Mark chapter 11 says the God kind of faith in a believer moves mountains, changes circumstances, cause your dearly beloved mom's blood to flow. Amen. Causes your family to come back together. Changes your world around you. So Paul said, I heard of your faith. That means these people had faith that could be seen. He said, your faith in Christ Jesus out of the love. Out of the love which you have to all the saints. I circled the word love. Because Paul's talking about some things that stirred him to pray for believers. And so I think about love. I miss the pastor prayed some of the love over in the prayer group. I think about love. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, faith works by love. First Corinthians chapter 13 <clears throat> talks about talks about people that don't have the love of God but have all the faith to move mountains, walk in the spiritual gifts to prophesy and change things. But he said, if you have not love, your faith profits you nothing. Amen. First Corinthians 13 eight says that love never fails. And so I found out in life that if I have failure in an area of life, I've got to examine the love of God in that area. Is the love of God working through me in that area? Because 
for me to fail, that would mean love would have to fail. And First John uh, chapter 4 says that God is love. And if God lives in me, and I'm walking in the love of God, that means God would have to fail because he's love. And so love never fails because God never fails. And so Paul said, I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your love. And then 1 Corinthians 13, the very last verse says, Thou biteth these three, faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. As so I'm looking at why Paul felt inspired to pray for these believers to go higher. How many want to go higher? How many want to know God better? Well, the first qualifications that Paul said right here is, number one, be a person of faith. That means you hear the word, you speak the word, you act on the word, and you expect your faith to work because your faith is in Jesus Christ. And then number two, you love people. Can you see that? Hey, man, we're, set, we're setting you up to grow. This is Sunday night. I've already told you, you're here because you love the word, you're hungry for the word. And what Pastor Dave taught today, you need to hear on the podcast. If you didn't get to, you need to hear it. Plus, if you were here, you need to hear it. I'm going to listen to it again. So he says, heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. Now look at verse 5 and verse 6. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word. And I circled the word. See, I'm telling you these things, I circle my Bible, because there's key things in our walk with God that we've got to see and grab a hold of. And so it's so important to know that the Bible talks about the value of the word. So it says, you heard in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. And I circled that, bringeth forth fruit. And the reason being, because he says in verse 5, you heard the word, and it bringeth forth fruit. As it does also in you since the day you heard it, and you knew the, the grace of God in truth. So those things right there, he said, you heard the word, and a lot of people hear the word, but the word doesn't bring forth fruit in a lot of people's lives. He said, you guys not only heard it, but it's bringing forth fruit. Think about this. You know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I just think about this. This is remarkable. In my place, I bought, I got an apple tree in my backyard. It's got so many apples, they fall off or they're running everywhere. An apple tree in the desert. Wow. But anyway, I call that bringing forth fruit. If it's an apple tree, it ought to have apples. Amen. Then we got, of course, we got our pistachio trees. They're bringing forth fruit that load with pistachios. If, if a tree says, I'm a banana tree, it ought to have bananas. If a Christian says, I'm a Christian, it ought to have fruit. He says the word brings forth fruit in your lives. He said, for this cause, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus said, if a tree brings forth fruit, the Father prunes it because he wants more fruit. So Paul's saying, I'm inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray for you because God wants more fruit in your life. And I, I call fruit in a Christian's life getting the desired results. What the word of God says is yours should show up in your life. And... uh you know, I, I, I used to give testimony about Pastor Dave all the time. He had leukemia and he was crippled. Word of God says, lay hands sick, they shall recover. So the fruit ought to be healing. Laid hands on him, he recovered, and he outgrew me. He just kept on growing up a little kid. He got bigger and bigger. And I think about my life. I got diagnosed with blood cancer. Had a serious heart attack. But I'm a preacher of the Word of God. I'm a believer. I'm a preacher. And so if, if I preach and teach the Word of God says, by his stripes you're healed, 
that ought to get the desired results. So the word in me brought us forth fruit last year, healing. Brought it forth in my life, healing. And so if you're a Christian, then the word you hear should bring forth deliverance in your life if you need delivered. The word you hear in your life about favor and job promotions ought to bring you a promotion if you need one. Ought to bring you a job, Mr. Bus Driver. Amen. Don't be surprised you haven't ride the Barstow Victorville bus system if you see this handsome man here behind the wheel of that bus. Amen. Amen. Hulk, he said, no, that's a goose. <laughs> Heard something this morning flying over my lake. No, what am I saying? I'm saying this about the Word of God. Get this. You know, i got to stay serious because this is really good. Get this. Paul said, for this cause, I'm praying for you because the Word is already producing in your life. And so we're talking about how to pray for believers. So you stop and think about your lives, and I, I dare to say you would not be here tonight if the Word wasn't already producing in your lives. Amen. None of us are walking as high as we really want to walk right now, if that's the right word to use. None of us are. But praise God, you know, we may not be where we want to be, but praise God we're not where we used to be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not on the streets begging for bread. We're not on the streets trying to get a handout. We're in a church. We got money in our pockets because God's blessed us. We've learned how to get the blessings of God. And we're out there and people need help. We can go by the Spirit if they're cons or if they're real people that need help. We can know that. Amen. And so that's what God wants. God wants us to be able to see and know more. And that's what we're going to get, get about in this prayer right here as we open up the Word of God and see this prayer more and more and more, that God wants us not only to have influence at the level we are, He wants to come up a level and have more influence. That's what He's talking about. Fruit influences people. You know, I was talking a while ago. Oh, I was joking around with uh, Susan and Adriana about, about eating fruits and vegetables. Things. I said, I've lost weight because I'm eating more healthy than what I used to be. But anyway, I was kind of joking but I, I was talking about bananas. That uh, I like I like bananas. I especially like bananas from Mexico. And you know, you buy these bananas now. You, you look at them, and they tell whether they're Guatemala, Mexico, Honduras. There's different things. Bananas. But for some reason, those bananas taste better than me than other bananas. And you know, it's not a joke. I say I'm just saying. I don't know if it really is or not. But I like those bananas. They're called Chiquita brand. I like those, and so I buy those and I eat those. And so I think about our lives, though, about fruit. When people look at your lives, they see the fruit in your lives. They want what you've got. And so for me, I know that for me, I'm thinking about us, that uh, God's the one that gave pastors to people to be an influence, to be an example, to be somebody they can follow as they follow Christ. And then I think about these books I advertise. The fruit of the man that wrote these books is what I ate spiritually that helped me to be who I am. And so when I'm up here like this, to me it's like putting a big chiquita banana in front of you. Lots of things you like and lots of things you do, but obviously you come out on Sunday night because you like the fruit. Amen. And so see, what God wants to happen is this fruit to be in your life so much that your realm of influence, people want to hang around you because you're not like the rest of the people out there. And other Christians are drawn to you because you're not weak. You're not cowardly, not wishy-washy. You're not one day up and one day down. 
people will come in one day to Home Depot and say, well, there's Desiree. I wonder which one she is today. And today's sweet Desiree. Oh, good morning. How are you? How can I help you? And they'll come back the next day. It's still, good morning. How are you? How can I help you? And then come back next week. Good morning. How are you? How can I help you? She's going to be consistently sweet Desiree, and she really is. Instead of like some Christian bosses I've known. Uh, David worked for one here in town one time. You never knew if the guy's going to come in cussing people out and throwing things and wanting to throw them out the door. Or he's going to come in and have a bonus for them and bless them with gifts, right? You never knew what that guy was going to do. And he was a Christian. Well, we need to be consistent. And so that's what we're talking about. Having the fruit in our lives that people see us. He said the word brings forth what? Fruit. And so he said, for this cause, because the words bring forth fruit in your life, he said, I'm going to pray for you. And I, and, I, and I praise God that how he prayed is written down in the Holy Bible, and we could read it. And so, if the Holy Spirit had Paul pray for these Christians, and it changed the world back then, then as we pray these prayers for ourselves and for our Christian friends, it'll change the world around us. Amen? And so, verse 9, he says, for this cause... He said, since the day I heard, I do not cease to pray for you and to desire. Now, look at this, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I want to tell you what that says in, in, in the Greek. It says something like this, that you might be filled with the exact and precise plan and purpose of God. And then the steps it takes to accomplish the plan. That you might be filled with the exact and precise plan and purpose of God. Do you think that would change your life if you knew exactly what God wanted you to do? Well, the Holy Spirit, we know that Peter said that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness said the word of God is God-breathed. And then Peter said that God spoke to the holy men of old as the Spirit gave it to him. And so this is the Holy Spirit telling Paul to pray for believers that they would know God's plan, God's purpose for their life. And then all of that, he said, in all understanding, well, understanding is the steps. What's the next step, Lord? And I'll tell you, my, in, my, in my life, as I followed God, as I prayed these prayers, and, I, and I'm with Brother Hagin, I've prayed these prayers thousands of times over the last almost 40 years. Thousands of times over my family, my life, my leadership, my church members, my spiritual elders, Dr. Barclay and different ones. I've prayed these prayers for them. We as Christians have to know, as accurate as we can, what the bullseye is we're supposed to hit, the target. We've got to know. And you know, when you pray these prayers... And you're praying for those steps, the understanding, because what good does it do to have a plan if you don't know how to get there? You know, I think, I think about different ones of you in life that are getting ready to go through career changes. And things happen in life. If you're leaving one, one phase of life, of business, work, ministry, whatever it is, you better know what the next step is. What's the definition of a fool? Keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect to get different results. And so I know in my life, 
I knew from the day I was born again, I was going to a Pentecostal church. I came from being a very, very, very fearful, timid sinner that was afraid to talk to anybody about anything because I had no boldness. I had the spirit of fear. But praise God, now I have a different spirit. I have the spirit of the Holy Spirit of boldness. But I remember, I remember when I got born again, January 29th, 1980, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on February the 4th, I come back in that Pentecostal church, a different man. I sit back there, and man, when I saw the preacher preach, first thing inside of me is, I want to do that. I want to do that. I didn't think that at all before that. All I wanted to do was be able to not be so afraid of people that I could go to my job without being afraid. That's all I wanted. All I wanted to do was finish out my years as a Teamsters truck driver, get that good pension like my dad did and my uncles did and my family, Teamsters truck drivers, had a good job, man. We was proud Teamsters. That was my life. That was my goal. But then all of a sudden, when I was filled with the exact and precise knowledge of God's will, all of a sudden, I didn't see trucks anymore pitching. I could care less about the money, the benefits. All I saw was these people preaching, and I saw me preaching. I knew I had to do whatever it took to be the preacher. God wanted me to be. And all I was at this point in time was just a young man sitting out there that barely got saved, but all said, I knew the plan of God for my life. I knew the purpose of God for my life. I knew I was called by God to be a preacher sitting out there. But then I didn't have the knowledge. And by knowledge there, understanding, I didn't know how to get there. You gotta know the next step. Wherever you are in your life, God may show you in your heart, you may know, here's where I'm supposed to end up. But you've gotta know the next step. That's why I said, for you, all, all, all wisdom and knowledge, the understanding, what's the next step I take, Lord, what I do. And I'll tell you what, you know, in my life, what the next step was multiple times over the years till I became a full-time pastor was quitting the job that I had because it was a dead end taking me away from the ministry. I'm not at all broadcasting, preaching, quit your job. I'm not saying that to anybody about anything. But my call that God's going to judge me for was not to be a successful teacher's truck driver, get that freight there on time. But while I was a teacher's truck driver, I did everything I could to get my freight there on time because I did my work as unto the Lord. So I did the best I could to be faithful where I was because Jesus said, be faithful of another man's business, he'll give you your own. He said, be faithful in little, he'll bless you of lot. And so I knew my job was to be faithful, but if a job was going to take me away from the calling, that I had to make a choice to walk away from the job so I could follow the calling. And did we suffer for it? Yes, we did. There was times I could have had better jobs, but what's the job worth for me if God's called me to ministry and I have to work on Sunday. And see, I'm talking about my life. I'm not talking about your life. You do your choice of what you do. But for me, if God filled me with the exact precise knowledge of His will and to be a preacher, isn't it a good place to be, even if you're not a preacher yet, to be at church on Sunday, to grow and to learn? And Wednesdays to be in church? I mean, for me, so when jobs pull me, pull me away from that, Faith pleases God. I never, ever, ever wanted to turn down work just so I could be lazy. I turned down work after soul searching when I knew this, this is destroying my spiritual life. This take me the wrong direction. I gotta make a choice. 
as though the whole thing was, we always came out on top. We always came out on top. You've got to know the will of God when you make choices in life. You never make choices. I'd, I'd say this, and you know, it's just totally Bible. Never make serious choices in life based upon money. Never do it. Never do it. Never do it. You make choices in life based upon the inside of you, what God wants you to do with life. You know, I, th- I think about I think about our lives. Talk about Mrs. Pastor and I. You know, back back in the days we were first married. You know, I know I know the wages are higher now than it was back then. People couldn't believe it. I always had three hundred dollar faith for rent. Had even back then nobody got places for three hundred dollars. We always got great places for three hundred dollars a month. We just we knew where we were in life. And so what I'm telling you is this if you have if you have to have money dictate choices you make, you're not going very far. And so we always pray to believe when we changed the location God had us in different places. We always believe for three hundred dollars, we always got three hundred dollars. And no damage deposit usually. And things like that. Reason being, we on the inside were following God's plan for our life to end up in full-time ministry. As he shifted us around and did things, we had to use our faith to change. But the first thing, what I'm saying is this. We prayed this prayer right here. Look at that again. Paul said, I'm praying for you. You'd be filled with the exact and precise knowledge of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so we knew to get the ministry, we had to follow God step by step. And, and, the, and, the, and the Proverbs chapter 3 that Pastor Dave just, just taught, it says, and he shall direct your what? Your path. Well, that's your steps. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so life isn't these giant steps where you jump from here to there. They're one step at a time. They're one day at a time. They're one month at a time. And when God, when you're following God's plan and you see in your heart, the next step is this. Guess what? He's not going to give you a step after that till you take that step. God's not going to have you skip over those things because there's things in life you've got to learn where you are. And I'll throw this out here for people need to hear it. You got to learn not to be a quitter. Amen. See, I was talking about some things about leaving some jobs sometimes, but never was it a hasty decision just because I wanted to because of flesh reasons. It was soul-searching spiritual decisions because of pleasing God. And so you can't get fed up with where you are frustrated because you work with a jerk next to you. Because that jerk's working with another jerk. So you need to be the example to be a blessing to that person working next to you. They need to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. They need to experience the love of God. And you know what? When you're in hard situations with hard people, that should be enough to draw you to your knees, not to Facebook. That's the time That's the time you get on your knees. And back years ago, back in uh, 1983 probably, I was on the night shift, the midnight shift at the truck dock. I've been there for years. And... It's like your job. There are more demons in that place than any truck dock in town. I got news for you. Wherever you work at, there's demons. Why is there demons? Because there's people. Also, you know what else there is there? There's Holy Spirit. Why is there Holy Spirit? Because He lives in you and the other Christians there. And who's the greater one? The demons or the Holy Spirit? Whose body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? 
Who leads you and guides you? Who puts the love in your heart? Who's in you? And so we're there. And so anyway, on this truck driving job, the Lord spoke to me one night right before I went in. I'd always get there about 15 minutes early. And I wouldn't want to go in the break room and sit around and listen to all the stupid talk all the sinners talked about before midnight. I'd get there early enough. I'd sit in my car and open my Bible and I'd read and I'd pray. And about five minutes till clock in time, I'd walk in the break room then. So I didn't want to be around all those sinners. I was too holy. I had too much God in me. I didn't want to be around those sinners and get contaminated. I sit out there one night praying my usual dumb prayer, my unscriptural prayer to sit there. Oh, I bind the devil in Jesus' name for hurt me tonight. Devil in Jesus' name. Oh, devil, stay quiet. You're bad in Jesus' name. And the Lord one night spoke to me. He said this. He said, why don't you start praying different? I said, what do you mean praying different? I mean, God talked to me right there in my car. He said, instead of binding the devil off those sinners from bothering you, he said, why don't you break the power of the devil off them so the hearts be open so you can talk to them? And so I changed. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you for blinded Frank and Jerry. And the different, I named their names. I said, I bind you in Jesus' name from tormenting them and blinding them to the gospel. And I said, Father, I just want to thank you. I have favor with these men. And their hearts are open to the love of Christ that's in me. And they're going to be able to open up so I can talk to them about you. You know what I found out? All of a sudden, I was anointed on that job. I went in there. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because it anointed me to preach the gospel to the lost. And so I began to change. And one by one, I was able to start praying with men, leading them to Jesus Christ on that job there. I changed my praying. Amen. And so that's what I'm telling you as Christians, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, you need to be able to adjust to where you are and recognize you're there on purpose by God. You get some results. And you know what else I found out over the years of these jobs? When you fulfill your missionary assignment, he'll promote you and give you another one. You'll get, you'll get another job. You either get promoted where you are, you'll get a better shift, or he'll send you somewhere else where your ministry is needed. Somebody said, I didn't know I had a ministry. Well, read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, uh, about verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation to know that Christ God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself. We've all got that ministry. Amen? Hey, I I got real serious. You got real quiet. Let's hear it for Jesus. Amen. And so anyway, he says that all spiritual, walking, all wisdom, spiritual, I said, so they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And so when you know God's plan and God's purpose for your life and you're making progress, you're making progress in accomplishing the plan, you are going to fully please God. Can you see what it says right here? It says, so you can walk worthy of Him into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. How many want to know you're pleasing God every day? That's what He said right here, that when we know the plan and purpose of God, and we're walking worthy. Well, is it walking have to do with stepping? The steps of a good man? If you take one step, you're heading in the right direction, but when you're walking, that means you're taking steps every day. Every day you're making more steps. For me, that night when I prayed that prayer, guess what? I just took another step. Number one, I stayed on the job. 
But number two, I kind of got stuck in one place there. I bind the devil in Jesus' name. Oh, I bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Lord said, quit praying that. Start praying for them. Well, I took a step in the Spirit that night, and my life changed. And so in your lives, as you're seeking God to walk worthy of Him and all pleasing, when He shows you that next step, just do it. And when you do, it says you're pleasing Him, and you're being fruitful in every good work. And it says also you're increasing in the exact and precise knowledge of God. It says knowledge of King James, but you're increasing. And think about that for me. Did I increase in the knowledge of God that night? Yes, I did. I knew about the love of God. I confessed the love of God. But I wasn't walking the love of God. I was totally selfish. I thought about me and nobody else. I thought about me, poor old me, poor old me. The only Christian out here for all these sinners. I've got to have protection. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The angels will bind you, Satan. And Jesus saw me as the only light in their dark world. I was the light. They were in darkness. And so when my eyes were opened up, that was called increasing in the knowledge of God. That's when I began to become a soul winner. But all of a sudden I saw it's not poor old me, the only Christian in the middle of all these darkness. I saw me as the only light they have in their dark world. Was that increasing? Amen. And so think about the Word of God we're seeing. This is a prayer that Paul's praying that then there'll be increasing exact precise knowledge of God. And look at this. Then strengthen, and this is a prayer for believers, it's a prayer for yourself. Strengthened with all might. And we're talking about spiritual strength. You know, I know it's real popular in the times we live in to have a, have a membership at the gym, have a membership here in the fitness club and all that kind of thing. What difference does it make how strong a Christian is if they're spiritually weak? He said strengthen, strengthen. And so we as Christians, the first strength we need to pray for is strength. In Ephesians prayers, it says strengthen with might by His Spirit in our inner man. We need to have that spiritual strength first. And I'm thinking about what we're reading right here in this prayer. Would God ask us to pray something He didn't want to give us? So God said we pray for strength for our fellow Christians. We pray for strength one for another. And if God says to pray it, then God wants to give it. Amen. And you know, as I'm talking tonight, my prayer is that you see something maybe you never saw before. You know, you may have heard these things, but you need to see these things. Pastor Dave today talked about uh, these different things, but X doesn't have me anymore, definition of a fool, keep doing the same thing. Well, if you're praying for strength from God in your spirit, the next time you come up against that cycle... You know, the law of sin and death cycle keeps coming around trying to suck you back under. Next time that thing comes, and maybe people under the influence of demons try to suck you into something you don't want to be in, or maybe something comes back to your mind again, we're supposed to cast out thoughts and imaginations, sort of except Corinthians 10. Those thoughts come again, and think, this, oh, this, this is so strong, I can't break free, I can't break free. I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong. Say, Father, I just thank you for strength in my spirit right now. I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Lord, I thank you for strength right now, my inner man. And you rise up, you say, X, you don't own me anymore. I bind you, I resist you in the name of Jesus. Devil, you've taken me down that road too many times before. You're not taking me down there again. I refuse to go down this road. Every time I go down that road, I get beat up. 
Every time I go down that road, I lose respect. Every time I go down that road, nothing good happens, so I'm not going down that road again. Well, what road are you going down? Well, right now, I don't know at the moment, I'm seeking God. I'm not taking a step till I know the next step, but I know one thing, that's a misstep, and I'm not going that way. But what are you going to do? Well, right now, I can tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not a fool, I'm not doing that again. Amen. This is a prayer I pray for believers. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Right there is some words that I looked at for so many years, praying over those, looking at those. You notice the patience and the long suffering? Two different things. Patience and long suffering. People think they're the same thing. They're not. Patience is being constant and consistent. That means you're consistent and you're constant. You know, I, I, I look at some people that I look, I look at Mike and Betty. You know, such, they're such, they're such, nobody knows how special they are to the Samples family. We, we love those. We love all of you. But Mike, Mike and Betty, uh, they got married this church before they came to this church. And her mother went here for years and years and years and years. But Betty taught children's church at her last place for, what, 25 years at the last place. And here she's children's minister. She's been faithful to God as a children's minister for all these years. She's constant and consistent. And I look at Mike. I mean, man, Mike got blessed, didn't you, Mike? <laughs> Married into something like that. Amen. But they're such a, such a wonderful couple together. And Mike and Betty, because of job things, things going on, sometimes when I will be here, Mike especially kind of gets back there and he says no to that ball and chain, but he's hooked up and he's freed. But anyway, I think about them, that you never, ever, ever have to wonder about Mike and Betty. If you don't see them for two or three weeks, it's not because they backslid. It's not because they're not faithful to God or to what God's called them to. It's because things have happened where they're not here. But you never have to wonder where they are. There's people, there's other people that, man, man, they're, they're, man, they're like, they're like lightning bolts, man, man. They light up everything where they're here. Then all of a sudden, man, just as fast as they're gone. And you say, well, where's so and so? I haven't seen them for two or three weeks. Where's so and so? We haven't seen them. Where are they? And then you start getting the reports back. They went back to the world again. They're back out there. They're not patient people. God didn't come through how they thought He should or when they thought He should. So they lost their constantly and their consistency. Constant consistent means there's things you do all the time, not just because you feel like it, because you know you're supposed to. And you know, we have some of the most patient people in the world on their jobs. We got people on their jobs that they get stay up the night before till midnight, two o'clock in the morning, man, six o'clock they're on their job. Why is that? They got they got a little God called paycheck that talks pretty big and influences them. But then other people, things happen, they can't come to church, how come off, man? Well, we had a rough day yesterday, we can't come. Well, what if it was double time today, would you come? And so he said, he said that God would strengthen you with patience that you have to start being a consistent person. You know, throw out a thought, a little nugget to you if you haven't learned it yet. Carry something to write with in your pocket. I always carry a little notebook. I always carry a pen. Why is that? Well, if uh, if Doug was to say, Pastor, is there any way I could see you on 
Thursday morning, uh, the first week of August. And I checked my calendar and said, well, yeah, I don't have that going on. You know, the first thing I would do, I'd pull up my notebook, my calendar. I'd say, Doug, first week of August, we're going to meet over here at Denny's at 9 o'clock. Doug wants to have breakfast and talk with me. Doug would never, ever, ever have to worry, well, I'm going to be there. You know why? I'm constant, consistent. I don't tell anybody I'm going to do anything unless I know I can do it. And I write it down because i got a lot of things on my mind. I don't remember what's going to happen the first week of August until I look at my calendar. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Paul said, for these Christians already bearing fruit, to bear more fruit, you got to walk in patience. you got to be constant. And then he said, and long-suffering with joyfulness. And what's that mean? Sometimes you're going through things. And you know that long, sometimes I think you should have had more O's in it. Long-suffering. Anybody ever had to long suffer through something? Well, let me tell you the difference between Christians and the world. Now listen to this. You need to get a hold of this. The world can suffer long, but not have joy. Paul said, you be patient, you be consistent, you be constant. People, let people know you're a person of your word. Let people know if you take that job and you tell them, I'm willing to do these hours, I'm willing to do this, that they never have to wonder where you are because you're going to do what you told them you'd do at those hours. If you can't speak up front, we're talking about jobs like that, aren't we? If you can't do it, then tell them, I can't take that promotion because I'm not willing to make that commitment. Just tell them up front, I can't do it. They'd rather you do that than let them down. Amen. That Spirit of God's talking to people about jobs tonight. But anyway, the long-suffering part, with joyfulness. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, then peace. And so that means, as we're going through things in life, we can pray for the Lord to give us joy while we're suffering through things. You know, uh, Proverbs says, that a man swears to his own hurt and changes not. That's why you should be swift to hear and slow to speak. Sometimes you say, I'll do this, I'll give this, etc. And then all of a sudden, two months down the road, you're thinking, why did I ever say I would do that? Why did I make that commitment? Well, at that point in time, you got to grin and bear it, and you got to laugh your way through it. That's called joy. Therefore, things in the church, whether starting a new function in the church we're doing, a new prayer group, a new prayer meeting, whether it's giving it an offering over a period of time for a project or something like that, I'm the pastor. I don't make those commitments unless I know I'm going to follow through. And I was going to say sad to say, but I guess I'll say happy to say. Most of the time, whether there's big offerings or, or things going on, and my flesh doesn't want to, and I get in my prayer closet, my father says to, that I step out in faith, and I'll say, I'll be the first to give. And I give with joy. Or I'll say, you know what, we're going to be doing this for the next two months, and I'll say, I'll be the first one there. And I do it with joy. And so, as we go through things in life, as we're praying this prayer for believers, we need to be strengthened with might by His Spirit. We need to have patience and long-suffering, with joy. What's well, that one more time? The world could put up with something for a long time, but they complain, they cuss, they kick, they claw, they fight, they make life miserable. Everybody around them 
a Christian, that situation is supposed to be laughing. You know, Peter says this way. He said, joy unspeakable, if full of glory. What is joy unspeakable? Joy unspeakable means you're laughing so much you can't talk. <laughs> well, 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 Jesse, man, don't you just, don't, just trouble where you're at? <laughs> I never noticed. I'm having such a good time following Jesus. I never noticed the circumstances. I'm just having a good time following Jesus. That's all I know. I'm following Jesus. I'm having a good time. Well, if I was you, I wouldn't put up with that. Put up with what? I'm following the plan of God for my life. God's got me doing what I'm doing. I never know if I was putting up with anything. You might be putting up with something. I'm following Jesus. Man, I'm having a good time. Hey, man, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Now, get this. We're talking about a prayer right here. Paul is praying for these believers to have this. You need to be praying for this in your life for you to have this. Amen. And be praying for your friends. If you got, if you got Christians that are going through a rough time, start praying this. And then he said, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And the Greek says he's qualified us to be a partaker of the inheritance. Of the inheritance. Do you know what our inheritance is? Our inheritance, number one, is eternal life. Then, number two, Jesus prayed that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our inheritance is divine health, is divine healing, is the mind of Christ, all of our needs met, love in our home, peace on our job. He said, I give you my peace, not like the world gives it. He said, I give you peace. The world can't give it or the world can't take it away. Hey, man, our inheritance, our inheritance is long life. Our inheritance is our families serving God with us. Our inheritance is not having Alzheimer's or dementia. Our inheritance is having our eyesight, having our hearing, having a sound heart, freed from diabetes, free from diseases. I don't believe in old people diseases. I'm getting older, but I'm not old. And I've had pains knock on my door, and I've said, nope, I don't receive you. I'll just lose weight, and I'll eat right. And I say, body, now try to attack me again. You can't do it, because I'm not fat. I'm not sitting in a chair all day long with remote control. I'm out doing something to take care of things. I'm not going to let old people things get on me. I have an inheritance. And I look about, I look at Moses. When you read about Moses when he died, said he's 120 years old, said he had his full eyesight and all of his strength. When Joshua and Caleb went to the promised land, Caleb at 85 years old said, Hey, I fought all these giants too for all these years. Give me my mountain. And Joshua said, hey, there's, there's still giants that about. And Caleb said, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Let me at them. I'm only 85 years old. Moses got 120. I'm only 85. Let me go. And so I'm telling you, I'm telling you that we have an inheritance in Christ. The world doesn't know about it, but if we walk in it, they'll see it. And if they see it, they'll want it. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you again, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. We're talking about a prayer here. Now, in this prayer, says, 
that who Jesus has delivered us from the authority of darkness. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness. Don't clock out yet. We're still in Sunday Night Live. Because I want you to see this. If this don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Now, how many here took English in school? You know about the different tenses. Past tense, present tense, future tense. Is has delivered, is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Has delivered us from what? The authority of darkness. Okay, darkness is Satan that come to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're addicted to alcohol, drugs, booze, alcohol, drugs, nicotine, pornography, whatever it is, caffeine, whatever it is that the devil has on you, it's time to quit praying for him to deliver you. He says he has delivered you. I want you to see this. This verse right here in this prayer has done so much in my life when I saw I don't have to quit have Jesus do something about the devil. Jesus said, I already have. And Paul said, I'm praying for you that you'll see it that he has. And so there's things in my life that's had holds on me over the years. I've got this verse out. I've written it down. You know, like, in school, they say, all right, you've been a bad boy. Write this down a hundred times. This is not like writing it down a hundred times because you're bad. It's writing it down till you get it. I've got up every morning. I've kept a journal for pretty much all my Christian life. In my journal, there's been seasons where the Lord has put verses on my heart that every day I start off the same day. I get in my Bible, get my journal out. I sit down on my chair. I start writing out. And I say stuff like, good morning, Jesus. I love you. I say, good morning, Father. I love you. And then I write that verse down, whatever it is that I'm on that season. And I say, Lord, I want to thank you for delivering me from the authority of darkness. I want to thank you that I'm freed from X, whatever it is. Lord, I want to thank you already delivered me. And, you know, if you're a person, I want to say it again. If you've been, you know, uh, smoking, you know, it's not, it's not smoking won't send you to hell. But you might get to heaven a lot sooner if you keep smoking. And so there's Christians that are addicted to cigarettes or nicotine, and they hate it. They're doing everything they can to get free from that thing. And so start thanking the Lord. Start thanking the Lord every day. Lord, I want to thank you. I've been delivered from nicotine. Oh, I want to thank you, Jesus, delivered from nicotine. And you know, the devil tries to put that desire on you still. If you light up, you light up. They say, thank you, Jesus, I'm delivered from nicotine. Thank you, Jesus, I'm delivered from nicotine. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you. Colossians 1.13 says, I've been delivered from the authority of darkness. Nicotine doesn't have me. I'm delivered. Instead, said, oh, Jesus, I'm going to throw them away. Man, before I got saved, well, I'll tell you what, I said, if cigarettes are get 50 cents a pack, I'll quit. Praise God, I did quit, too, for after 50 cents, so they quit because they was threatening that back then. And, but I remember when there's 35 cents a pack, I threw away so many cigarette packs. Man, go down the road, I'm going to throw them away. And man, the next day, I bought another pack. I got so tired of throwing those stupid things away. But what I'm saying is this, you can't get free on your own. Willpower won't do it. It takes help from God. It takes the Bible verses. So anyway, you're delivered from whatever it is and translate the kingdom of His dear Son in whom every redemption through His blood 
even the forgiveness of sins. And so this prayer right here will help you to walk free from those things that have had a stronghold in your life to help you to tune in on the plan and purpose of God. And while you're walking out, the plan and purpose of God says you're fully pleasing God and all the time you're increasing the knowledge of God and you are a fruit-bearing Christian. And this is how you get to it. Start praying these prayers. And when you, when you, when you pray like that, put your name in there first person. Lord, thank you. I've been delivered from the authority of darkness. Thank you. I've been translated into your kingdom. Thank you that I'm walking in the exact and precise knowledge of your will. Thank you, Lord, that I've seen the steps to take to fulfill your plan. Thank you, Lord, I've seen those things. As you're doing that, you're going to have that victory. And you're going to look back someday. And you're going to say, X, you're no more in my life. You've been X'd out. Like the little iPhone thing, XXX. You've X'd nicotine out. You've X'd alcohol out. You've X'd sickness out. Poverty out. Depression out. You've X'd the ride on out. Migraine, headaches, whatever they are. Addiction to prescription drugs. You've X'd them out. And the no more part of your life was Jesus gave you the victory. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's stand up. Amen. I'll tell you what. In my life, I refuse to be a fool. I'm not going to keep saying the dumb things, doing the same dumb things over and over again. I'm going to change what I do so I can have what Jesus said I could have. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.